3: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, it is officially game day. Much anticipated game, at least by Packer fans. I think most of the world sees this as just a game for the Chiefs, nothing more. No different than a Chiefs-Raiders game or a Chiefs, Raiders be a bad example, let's say Chiefs-Bucks game. Yeah, the Packers could win. It's possible, any given Sunday. But I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing is, I'm glad the Packers have looked somewhat competent, because it looks like that Sunday night football might not be a complete waste. Not that the Packers are going to win, because of course they won't. But hopefully they can at least make a game out of it. At least that's sort of the vibe I've been getting, as I've been touring the countryside, uh, listening to what people had to say about this game, uh, excluding former Packers, that is. But before we get into that, I wanted to touch on expectations, because I wanted to do this last week and forgot. One of the things I had mentioned a couple times is that I think what we need to do is set fair expectations prior to the game, So that if the offense and or defense meets those expectations, we are not allowed the yawning. As soon as I start the podcast, I'm like, all right, time for bed. Bro, chill. If they meet those expectations, we shouldn't allow ourselves to be upset. And I think it should be opponent specific. Now, the simplest way that I think you can do this is to simply look at the opponent and say the Kansas City Chiefs are scoring a little over 23 points per game. If they hold the Kansas City Chiefs to 23 points, and I understand that there are certain things that can be done throughout a game that can be frustrating or annoying or whatever, but if they hold the team to 23 points, that is at least adequate. It's not amazing because while the Chiefs always score 35 points and 23 is really good in the NFL, especially, bull crap, 23 is the average. If you hold them to 23, that is adequate. If you hold them to below 23, Depending on how far below, it is ranging from adequate to really good. Above 23 ranges from roughly adequate to really bad. Now, you can modify that however you want. If you want to look at, for example, on the road, they average 21.4 points. So you can say, okay, no, I, I think 21-22 is sort of the, the standard. You can do that if you want to look at their last four or five games. However, but the point is, set a standard... Be honest with it, and feel free to call in, do it post game because I'm not going to get to a pregame thing, or wait until the game starts, and tell me, here is the expectation that I set, here is what happened. You don't have to do 21, 23, whatever, but set a realistic expectation. Now, the offense, there is a much lower bar, because the Kansas City Chiefs defense is allowing 16 points per game. So if they get to 16, that's technically adequate. Not saying it's good, but that is that is meeting expectations. That is doing what everybody else has been doing this year. Above 16 is good, below 16 is bad. If you want to do on the road, it's right at 18. Now, the unfortunate part about this is if we set realistic expectations, the Packers should lose because we should really not expect the offense to do any better than 18th or or should not do better than scoring 18 points, and the defense should allow about 23. So the bottom line is our offense and or our defense needs to be above average. Go figure. You have to be above average to beat the Chiefs. But that is the reality. And if we win, you know, 24-23, then we won because of our offense, pending, you know, like a pick six or something. If we win 14-10 congrats to the defense. 24-18, it was a team effort. That's at least how I'm going to view the game. Again, we can watch throughout and see individual performances and certain instances and things and this and that and the other. But at the end of the day, it's about winning and winning comes down to points. So however you get to the finished product, just get there. But I thought what would be good for today, well, a couple things. I do want to get to some calls, see if we can try to get as many of these cleaned up as we possibly can. We'll save that for the end of the show. What I want to do now, though, is put a little bit of a fire into everybody's belly. Because the fact of the matter is, right or wrong, maybe the Packers are frauds and they suck, and maybe the Chiefs are just way too good, and maybe the Chiefs are about to win by 30 points. I don't know. But there's something about just hearing flat-out disrespect that does something to a fan that really inspires a desire to watch your team win. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted the Packers to win, and we've talked about a few different reasons why it would be great if they did. But a lot of it was kind of coming from a place of, boy, everybody would go from, you know, respecting us to really respecting us. And instead, what I'm hearing is that team is trash. They're going to get smoked. Let's move on. And it's like, you know, now I really, really want the Packers to win so I can come back here and pull some receipts and we can have some fun. Let's start off with something simple. All right. This isn't anything super crazy or disrespectful. But we'll just get in a couple picks. Who are we picking here? Are we picking the Chiefs with the points? Can we at least get the Packers that amount of credit that they, you know, can cover the spread at home? Here's Nick Wright talking about the Packers' chances of, you know, playing the Chiefs, I guess.
4: All right. Kansas City laying six in Lambeau. Yes, Patrick Mahomes number one in Lambeau. Sounds like something he's going to want to do. Also, do we know that Jordan Love is good in the cold? Oddly for a Packers quarterback, we don't hmm. He's from Bakersfield, California He went to college at Utah But you check those old game logs Seem to play better at New Mexico Than home in November Been up there for so like that's four years Yeah, but he's not been playing So we're not sure about that Also, this is a 27-10 type of game For the Chiefs vanilla game Playing Chiefs defense dominates Bonus, because Nick's picks are so hot A free money teaser What? Chiefs tease to a pick'em And on Monday night, the Jags teased to just minus two and a half against Jake Browning. That's free money. Go pick it up, America. But in the meantime, bet these games. Houston, minus three. Tampa, minus five and a half. Kansas City, minus six. These are square favorites. Doesn't matter. All
3: right. So earlier on in the show, a former Green Bay Packer mentioned that the upset of the week would be the Green Bay Packers. And he sat back in his chair and threw his head back and said, you're out of your mind. And then goes on to say that his picks of the week He picked three of them. One of them is to pick Kansas City to not only win, but to cover the six-point spread against the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field. Here is, I don't know if it's a different segment or a different part of the show, it doesn't matter. Same guy, Nick Wright, here's what he has to say about the Kansas City Chiefs against the Green Bay Packers.
4: I do believe that the Chiefs, let me put it like this, I believe the Chiefs will be at 21 or more by halftime. Now, whether or not they put it into, you know, first gear for the second half, which I know some. Like they did against Miami? No, I don't think they did that against Miami. No, but I think it's like (laughs) they did in other spots earlier in the year. They were going through a legit slump prior to the Raider game. But the reason I believe that the Chiefs are going to have no problem is not only because I think Mahomes is going to play great and I think Jordan Love is going to struggle against the pass rush.
3: He goes off on a tangent about Rasheed Rice after that, but just just so we're clear, the Chiefs will have 21 points by halftime and Jordan Love will struggle against the pass rush. But here is at the end his, his official score prediction for the game.
4: Let's see it, but today. No. I, I, I'm all, the, my pick for the
3: game is 27 10 for the record 27 10 all right so we don't have a believer in nick Wright. that's that's clear all right fair enough with that let's move on to mike florio we know is a um minnesota vikings fan not super favorable to the green bay packers however has had a few nice words here and there for jordan love but here's what he has to say about the game along with his score prediction
5: All right, Chiefs at Packers. Six-point favorites. At one point, it looked like maybe the Exorcist would be a better watch on Sunday night, but this is a good game. Chiefs favored by six. Packers trying to will their way into the postseason field, 42.5 over under. I have picked the Chiefs to win every game this season, so let me begin here. I am not about to pick the Chiefs to lose. They need these wins. They're trying to be the number one seed, and right now I think they're going to be the team that navigates this late-season schedule with the right degree of urgency and skill and luck to get the one seed in the AFC. They're not going to get the one seed by losing to the Packers on Sunday. That's for damn sure. I just need to find my picks here so I get the score right. Where are my picks? What happened to my picks? Chris, go ahead and do yours, and then I'll tell you what my score is because I can't find my my sheet with my picks. Okay, all right. Well, listen, it's a game where— Here I, it is. Here it is. Okay, here it is. go ahead. 31-24. 31 31- 31- <sighs>
3: So 31-24, not only is there zero belief in the Green Bay Packers defense allowing 31 points, this is a discussion that was had on the last program about the Chiefs aren't scoring a ton of points this year and the the Packers defense are not allowing a ton of uh, points scored. Nonetheless, here we are predicting 30-plus points, the last person predicting 21 by halftime. In particular, the defense has a lot to prove here. I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show... Setting expectations. That's for us to do and to do hopefully more rationally than what everybody else is doing. But the fact of the matter is, the defense has a chance to put itself on the map because whether or not these are rational predictions, it's very obvious that the national media has an expectation of 27, 28, 30, 32 points, whatever. And if you hold them to even something moderate, like 23 points, even if it's not that great of a performance, you are going to put yourself on the map. Something else that that popped into my head as Florio was speaking here that makes sense. I talk a lot about any given Sunday and things like this happen. But at the same time, they, they very rarely do to teams like the Chiefs. The Chiefs get to where they get because they don't lose. Because any given Sunday doesn't crop up and bite them, except for maybe three times in a season. And how many of those three are against teams that aren't quality opponents. Usually one of them will be like a uh, AFC West team. In the case of the Kansas City Chiefs, it'll be a divisional team. It'll be like a team like the Chargers or the Raiders who will will sneak up and bite them, right? They lost one to the Denver Broncos. Okay, there's one. How many times does a middling NFC team beat a team like the Kansas City Chiefs? It is a rare thing. All that to say, on one hand, it does feel less likely that the, that the Packers do pull this off because the Chiefs are a team of destiny. They have been for several years. They are on a war path. They set their sights on the number one seed, on the AFC Championship, on the Super Bowl, and they get there consistently just about every year, at least since Pat Mahomes has been there. And teams like the Packers have not been able to, in this entire stretch, be able to derail that. Not saying that their, their hopes are dashed if they, if they lose to the Packers, but considering they've already fallen more games than you would expect or, or about as many games as they typically lose in an entire season, losing their fourth game barely past the midway point seems unlikely. And I, I say that not just to be discouraging. In fact, it's the exact opposite. The point of that is to sort of do away with the any given Sunday uh, narrative if the Packers do pull it off. If you go on to beat the Detroit Lions, who will be one of the top NFC teams, and then beat the Kansas City Chiefs, you can p- try to play the any given Sunday card if you want to. But these things don't just usually happen to teams like the Chiefs. Occasionally they do. The Packers over their uh, reign of terror have occasionally, for example, the Chiefs are a great example. The year they went 15-1. and won. The one loss was to a Chiefs team that was not a very good football team. But how many times in that 15 in one stretch did that not happen was it roughly 15 good teams are good teams because they have good records and they have good records because they don't lose a lot of games makes sense pretty simple math here is uh nbc sports it's best bets week 13 whatever um so this is more the math people and sort of their view on the situation right okay so six points For the Chiefs, what are your thoughts on that?
0: But um, yeah, I bet the Chiefs at six, um, largely thinking this was a a little bit of an over adjustment for a Packers team that, uh, you know, kind of played a 99th percentile game against the Lions. Like there was one kind of exact game state path to victory for them to really get that team and they got them and the defensive line won their one v ones against the offensive line for the lions and they were up that day they played a perfect game it was really 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 cool to see because i would like the packers to be competitive i like i would like this team i like more at teams in the nfc to be teams we want to watch jay that would be nice uh and i'd like to see the packers in the mix in the playoffs not the likes of some of these other you know clubs that are currently occupying uh sp- sp- you know slots there but um I think this is a step back before more steps forward for the young squad, uh, partially because this is a really, really different type of opponent to prepare for. Not just uh, the quality of quarterback you're getting out of Pat Mahomes, but um, the uh, quality of defense you're facing now. Uh, I don't know that Nick Bolton will be active for.
3: Good enough. So bottom line is that Lions game was a little bit of a fluke. They're not actually that good. It's sort of a little giant situation where, you know, nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, the Lions end up beating the Packers. But there was this one perfect path that they could potentially get on, and they just happened to ride that one perfect path, and they ended up beating them. And so there's an overcorrection in the market, and so there's too much love for the Packers. It should actually be even higher um, in the favor of the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm betting... The Chiefs, not me. I'm just saying that's what he said. Which so far has been the consensus. Not only will the Chiefs win, but you bet the Chiefs at minus six. Then we come to PFF. And again, this is a pretty measured um, response to things. But just to give you an idea of where it's at, is this even real? With the general consensus being probably not, but maybe. Here uh, they are discussing that.
5: The Packers' offense is completely different than it was a month ago. Um, On the other hand, maybe none of that's real, and they just had an amazing game and had a couple of good games on the bounce, and now they're going to go back to being this, like, mistake-ridden, bumbling offense that
3: consistently shoots itself in the foot. So, look, there's no rule or law that says that the Packers have to establish themselves in 2023. If they go back to being a mistake-ridden, bumbling team, whatever— that can figure it out in 2024. Maybe it takes a couple more pieces all the way up until 2025 before they actually start to get some respect. I, it doesn't matter. But the bottom line is if you want to catapult yourself into the conversation, immediately beat the Chiefs. Because right now, there really is a big lack of belief, ranging from what we've heard so far, which is mostly, you know, respectful but cautious analysis, if you will. All the way to the other side, which is just flat out disrespect. Here is, for example, Emmanuel Acho talking about how he thinks the Packers and Chiefs game is going to go.
6: Yeah, I think the Chiefs put an end to all this All this hoopla, all this happiness James, I made a mistake Even Love, happiness. I, 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 Even love. Like, yes. you think he's going to play bad? Yeah, uh. and the reason is like At the beginning of the season After the first three weeks I was on the Jordan Love train yeah. People forget, right? Because the NFL season is long Though it's short First three weeks of the season Jordan Love had eight total touchdowns yeah. And one interception yeah, he's playing He came well. out against the Bears He played well Falcons, he played well Then the Saints, he played well The Bears, Packers were 2-1 and one. I was like, yo, Jordan Love yeah. is like that Then they got to the fourth game of the season against the Detroit Lions and instantly pulled out the fire extinguisher and that was it. Then we stopped talking about Jordan Love until the last three games and everybody's like, yo, Love has turned the corner. I'm like, have you forgotten? The first three games? We have seen three-game stretches from Jordan Love. That's why I'm not yet a believer, because I was after my first three. I was ready. Let's go, Jordan Love. I like what Jordan Love stands for. I like the team around him. But I can't once again make the same mistake, Shady, I literally mm. just made in October. I think the Chiefs are to end this.
3: This is why just blanket trusting somebody because they played in the NFL is so stupid. It's so dumb. <laughs> um, Acho the packers were 2 and 1 despite jordan love jordan love was not good in the first 3 games the fact that you were jumping up and down as a jordan love believer it doesn't bode very well for your um nfl credentials if you you know if you want to go there now, i th- i think he's right insofar as a small sample size of 3 to 4 games doesn't make him elite that's fair but to say that he was Tearing up the league the first three weeks, and then you jumped on the train, and then he was real bad, and now he's doing the same thing again. And now you're waiting because you're wondering if he's going to do it again. That's a completely fake, made up thing. He was not elite the first three weeks. He wasn't. Everything that Jordan Love is doing really, really well is over the last, let's say, four weeks is backed up by data. Go to the first three weeks, and aside from EPA per play, because he threw a handful of of passes at a very high touchdown rate, there's not a lot of data that would put him in, for example, the top 10 quarterback conversation. He is right now, by virtually every metric. But anyways, the Chiefs are going to put an end to all this uh, happiness hoopla, blah, blah, blah. They're about to be bad. They're about to be exposed. Jordan Love is going to be exposed, the whole thing. When we come back on the other side, I want to play a couple more um, on the more positive side, some more optimistic looks at the Green Bay Packers, and then we'll get to some of your calls. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase
4: quarterbacks have thrown downfield as much as love he has averaged the fourth most air yards per attempt this season over the first eight weeks he was the worst in the NFL on passes of at least 10 yards downfield with two touchdowns and a league high eight picks on those throws but look at this drastic improvement over the Packers last four games what has stood out to you Dan when you break it down his tape from these recent
3: again before we get to Dan Orlovsky, I just want to point out he wasn't elite to start the season. And it's not the last three games, the last four games, but far be it from some random ex-football player to have any idea what the heck they're talking about.
5: Games. Yeah, how much he's gaining a trust and understanding of who's what on his offense, and also his mechanics are better. This is a massive test. This will be the biggest test of his career. We'll see how much he's actually improved. But if you go to last week's game against Detroit, first of all, the big ball to Watson, the very next play, Watson's at the top of the screen. He's running a slant route. There's a safety standing right there on about the 10-yard line. For him to throw this ball with that safety there, you have to trust that Watson's going to come flat on that slant route and not into that safety. So getting on the same page, number one. Two, they have figured out ways to use Jaden Reed. They're another rookie receiver. They're using him... Kind of like San Francisco uses Debo it just touches. How many different ways can get, they get him athletically touches? You see the reverse there. And then for Jordan, he has gotten so less bouncy at the top of his drop. There's flex in his lower half. Watch his right leg as he puts his back foot in the ground here. See that does, never straightens. It's always in that throwing position. Think of a pitcher getting into the position to drive off the mound. Jordan really struggled. I would say the first four or five weeks this season of getting so bouncy and is almost like his legs would lock out, the accuracy goes to dog trash in those situations. He's been so much more ready and balanced here recently. His feet mechanics have just every week
6: improved for the ready. And Hannah, you know, what's interesting to me, so much is made about Jordan Love's development, understandably, but it's the surrounding skill players. You already pointed yeah. out where you talk about Jaden Reed Luke Musgrave, and then last year, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Like, you have four key players that are second-year or rookies, so they're all growing together, and you can see the continuity and confidence growing. They're the mm-hmm. youngest skilled players of anybody in the NFL at 25.3 uh, years old. So to me, like, they just need time, and Jordan Love's confidence, to me, is a parent, I expect them to play really well Sunday night well, against I Kansas City. All-
3: now, for reference, all three of them did pick the Kansas City Chiefs to win the game. But Dan Arlovsky had it as a three point win, just to be clear. But again, it's 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 a bigger question than wins and losses. I mean, if you think the Chiefs are going to win fine. But what do you really think about the Green Bay Packers? And on the flip side, there are a lot of people that are all in right now. Uh, the next clip is Colin Coward. He does his um, sharper Square thing betting show. And he went ahead and picked the Kansas City Chiefs against the spread. But here is what the quote-unquote expert had to say in response.
1: Well, it's square. It just is. But it's interesting. It's interesting because this is a game the wise guys have sort of planted a flag in the sand on. And they've decided that Jordan Love, since week nine, is a top five quarterback. And there are a lot of stats, a lot of the advanced metrics you can look at, EPA, things like that. They will tell you that Jordan Love has been incredibly good the past five weeks. And you can also look at what the Chiefs have done and take last week against the Raiders with a grain of salt. They have been terrible in the second half. Second half unders with the Chiefs this year, 11-0. and They are not a team scoring in the second half. So what the Wise Guys are banking on is an improving quarterback against a team that has not been scoring in the second half. And the opportunity to keep the game close when they are at home as a big underdog and especially these primetime games they have been trending towards the under and so when you have a game that is going to be low scoring the bigger underdog tends to cover now the
3: reason i really like that is when he's talking about wise guys at least I'm, i'm assuming he's referring to the sort of betting experts And the first thing he is saying is that essentially what he's noticing is that a lot of these guys have planted their flag, so to speak, or have kind of just made the decision that Jordan Love is right now a top five quarterback in the NFL. Now, again, they they didn't say Packers win this game, but they certainly are leaning heavily toward the Green Bay Packers because, number one, they believe that what's happening with Jordan Love is real. And number two, they're skeptical of the Chiefs. And I'll tell you what, that's good enough for me. Because I've already told you, if we lose this game and we come out of the game, um, come out of that loss with a belief that Jordan Love is the guy, I'm more than happy with that. That's a win. I've said that last week. I'll say it this week. I'm going to say it every week for the rest of the year. All right. Why don't we get to your calls?
7: Hey, Ryan. Um, you talk about David Tepper and the having to know the thing right now. Um, you're going to have David Tepper kind of makes it sound like everybody wanted Bryce Young if was okay with that. Um in a little more context to make it see why the owner's even worse. Um, the whole reason he's doing this is because it's been reported since March that um Frank Reich wanted CJ Stroud and um, David Tepper wanted Bryce Young. So it seems like the team wanted to draft CJ Stroud, and the owner overrode them to get Bryce Young,
3: and that's been. See, the- and I, I had heard that. I didn't know how much validity there was to it, so I didn't want to add to it. But I mean, that obviously makes it 10 times worse because not only is it, you know, the the, <laughs> the, the owner uh, ruined everything, number one, but number two is firing the people that he overrode either as a way of just saying, you know, F you because obviously you're, you were right and I was wrong and now get out of my face or as a way of throwing somebody under the bus or whatever. It's horrible. And then number three, going to the podium and clearly alluding to the fact that everybody else except you wanted Bryce Young, which is the apparently exact opposite. Again, I don't know if that's reality or not, but it it is so unbelievably significantly worse if that report is true.
7: The reporting, Frank Reich hasn't come out and said that because he won't, Um, but that's been reporting since like before the draft, so... No, you wouldn't believe it. Um, so I think he's trying to combat that because, like, you're firing Frank Reich for your mistake. Like, it is his mistake. Not he's trying to paint it like the whole team made this decision. When right. it doesn't seem like that was the case. Like, he was the one pound on the table for Bryce Young. So it's all on him. And he's like, yeah, just showing how bad an owner can be. And this isn't an uncommon thing in the NFL. Go back, to
3: him. Yeah, and just for context, what I was pointing out was you know he he had come to the podium and essentially made it seem as though in fact he literally said it was unanimous that everybody wanted Bryce and then alluded to the fact that although he wanted to override them felt it was the right decision not to and my whole issue is with this conversation was even leaving aside what trevor's saying is bryce is currently your quarterback and you're coming out basically explaining Whose fault it was that you got stuck with this loser, and then just try to cover it up at the very end with like a oh, and by the way, people in the building still believe in him, and I still believe in my decision not to override. Leaving out the part where he says he believes in him. So to me, that was bad enough. If what we're hearing is, or you know, if if those those reports and rumors, I think uh, Jake had mentioned that on the stream that we did as well, that people are getting fired that you know wanted Stroud. That is. A billion times worse.
2: is Aaron. Aaron. Um, so I gotta fully admit, I am like really disappointed in myself um, because I am like a sommelier, a connoisseur, a master of puns and plays on words and everything. Uh-huh. There's one, and especially, I love reading horror novels and stuff right like that. Like that. So I'm really disappointed in myself. So. I love coming up with nicknames for the, for like teens and connections and stuff. And there's one that slipped my mind as a fan of horror literature. Um, so H.P. Lovecraft is one of the, like, big, most well known, like, he birthed a lot of the horror that we know today. So, the connection of Jordan Love to Tucker Craft is H.P. Lovecraft. And with Musgrave being out in the way that he is, um, we're seeing a lot more Lovecraft. And, which that means, that we're seeing the rise of Cthulhu. Ooh, that's why our team is coming alive right now. That we've awoken a monster from the depths that's coming to terrorize the entire league. Because watch out for the Green Bay mother-loving Packers to pull Tom Grassy. Um, anyway, so that's just what I wanted to call about. Bye.
3: It's it's a oh, little. Also, yep. another
2: one. It, we should sign Zach Ertz off waivers so that we we can have Love Ertz.
3: Okay. All right. I think it's there's there's a couple too many steps in there. I I dig it. H P Lovecraft. Love and Craft, and Lovecraft came up with that whole Cthulhu thing, or however you pronounce that, which is that, like, octopus-looking creature, pretty sure. Was that Metallica? Call of Cthulhu or whatever? Spelled differently. Maybe it's a different thing. I don't know.
8: Hey, Pat Daddy, it's Randy from Minnesota. Hey. Just getting ready to watch the Thursday night game, and I just thought, I wonder how much Richard Sherman wishes they had Jordan Love as quarterback after all the crap he talked about Jordan Love. And then the other thought came to me, what if the final game of the season, we have the chance to go to the playoffs and we can crush the Bears, put them where they belong, and just feel good going into the new year. Anyway, these are thoughts that make me happy on Thursday night. Love the show. Go Pack Go. Bye.
3: Well, yeah, and I think uh, no matter what happens this week, we, we can still carry that torch. Um, it's just going to be a matter of if we win this game, there's there's nothing stopping the Green Bay Packers on a war path. If the Packers lose, it's going to be a whole lot of trying to get people off the edge of the cliff and and you know, like, look. <laughs> it, it, Just because you lost to the Chiefs doesn't mean it was all fake and you're a completely garbage team and you're going to lose to the Bears and everybody else. Now, it's possible they play horribly, and as a result, that's kind of what we come to. But I I think there's a good chance that either way, at the end of this game, we look at it and say, reset, recalibrate, find out where we are as far as the playoffs and what needs to happen moving forward. And I think either way, we probably have an above 50% chance of going to the playoffs. Even with a loss, and we got to see what happens with some of these other games, but beating the Bears and feeling good as we tralala our way into the playoffs, um, there's there's still a good chance that that happens. Pretty much no matter what. All right, let's take our uh, final break. We'll come back and hear from Steve in Alaska. Hey Ryan,
9: Steve, up in Alaska, how's it going? Good. Um, quick quiz question. Uh, I, I don't have the answer myself, but I do have. Part, I do have figured out part of it. Um, how the Green Bay Packers, as far as I understand, since Brett Favre became our quarterback in '92, we have had because you got to count Markowski because he started that year. We have had seven quarterbacks, three of which. We're back up filling in for an injured quarterback, and we're not counting far for that because he became the regular starter. So from 1992, since you have all this information to go look at that, is there any team who has been anywhere near close to us in the fact that we have had seven starting quarterbacks since 1992, so we all understand that. That is, I believe that is 32 years. Maybe I'm wrong in my account. And you need these numbers. Somebody's got to count. Well, you you should sure catch me on it. But I want to know if there's anybody that's anywhere close to us. I mean, like within four or five quarterbacks of seven. That's what I'm counting. Seven quarterbacks. In 32 years, that's all we've ever had for starters. Um, it's just, you know, because listen, everybody with the quarterback hunts and all the kind of quarterback and all we talk about is quarterback. Oh, we got a quarterback. I just want to know. I just want to know. Um, so yeah, there's there's my question. If you got time, find the answer. I know it's late in the week. We might not get it because I'm calling on a Friday night. Whatever, man. I might, I might remember. I why not. I'll try to say it again if you don't say it to me. If you do, then cool. If not, then whatever, man. Do your thing.
3: Bye. Bye. Yeah, I, I played around with it for I don't know, call it ten minutes or so, and I'm I'm just not quite able to figure out how to get that information. Um, however, I feel like this has been kind of a long going narrative for for a pretty long time. I mean, I I remember like early 2000s, looking at the Chicago Bears, how they had had like six quarterbacks in the last four years. You know, all the while, obviously, it's been Brett Favre, or just during Brett Favre's tenure, there have been like 10 quarterbacks and 10 coaches or something crazy. So yeah, I mean, the, the Packers have, even if you look at the Patriots, obviously, Tom Brady was here for a long time, but that was mostly, I mean, it was the back end of Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers for most of it. How many quarterbacks did they have through the entire decade of the 90s? If it's more than one, then we still win.
8: Hey, Ryan, this is a New Berlin guy. I haven't called in a while. Um, Lions victory was amazing, but I'm not really going to hit on that much Um, just because we're almost to this next game. If we can play the way we've been playing these last two weeks, if Jordan Love can play the way he's been playing, we can beat Kansas City. Kansas City has not looked like Kansas City this year. And so I think they are beatable. And I believe that if Joe Barry calls a good game plan, we can we can win. Unfortunately, Aaron Jones is out again. Let's just just let him be healthy, and maybe by postseason, if we make it, he'll be there. Maybe he'll help out because he'll be fresh. So, I don't know. I just think we can beat them, and I just want to say who Taylor (laughs) Swift.
3: I mean, I I agree. I I think we have to play like we played last week in order to sort of... (sighs) Last week was the Green Bay Packers demonstrating that they have the ability to be a top team. I don't think that was them necessarily saying we are the best team in football, but that is sort of the standard. That, that is what sort of the Lions have been doing. That's what the Chiefs have been doing. That's what the Packers were doing You know, prior to 2022. That's, that's what top teams look like. That's what good teams look like. And so there's really no doubt about that. It's just a question of, can you do that consistently? And then the the, the question then is, if you do it again, will you beat the Chiefs? And, and that's where I've come in repeatedly and just said, uh, the, the win is secondary, right? If this was 2020, the win would be primary, because we know that that's what you are as a top team. Now now it's just about find a way to win. I don't care how you do it. Lie, cheat, steal. Find a way to win. This isn't about winning. This is about, please demonstrate to me that this is who we really are, it, if you play that way and happen to lose, it doesn't matter. It's still a win. And you know, one of the shows, I don't know if I ended up playing it or not. I don't think I did, but it was Stephen A. Smith. And the question was, who is this game bigger for, the Chiefs or the Packers? And I think Stephen A. said the Packers, and I think he's absolutely wrong. Who wins? It's, it's all about the Chiefs. They're, they're, the, winning is the only thing that matters for them. Super Bowls, are, I mean, what else is there? To, to other than to be a dynasty and continue winning every year. But it's different for the Packers. And, and the Super Bowl is the only thing that matter crowd will disagree and say, no, the Super Bowl is the only thing that matters. But no, I mean, it's, it's just about showing that even in our first year together as a crew, we're already on your tier. We're already up there. We might not be winning. We might not be as good as the Chiefs, but we're still a tier one team. We're still in that, like, yes, they're obviously a playoff team. Can they make a run at a Super Bowl conversation? And that's all I want. I mean, I, I, that's not even what I, my my goal was coming into this year necessarily, but if we can finish the year with that being the narrative, that the Packers are already, you know, the the clear number one team in the NFC North. And by clear, I just mean they have demonstrated that they are the team to beat, whether or not they will be, whether or not they were, whatever you know they they have the brightest future let's put it that way when you're when you're talking about which team could potentially be competing for the top of the AFC NFC throne whatever the packers being at the top of that list because they're a combination of how talented and how young they are that's that is my only goal for the end of this year at this particular point in time the record is secondary winning against the chiefs is secondary the playoffs secondary i mean i don't you know I know it doesn't make sense for them all to be secondary, but you get what I mean. It's a, it's a tier below in terms of importance. I had to get that last little bit out. Okay, here we go.
10: Hey, calling number five here. Hey. Um, just listening to all the pause this week, and you um, you kept saying that uh, the Lions had won the division or they're going to win the division, um, but I did just want to mention that there is a hilarious timeline sitting in front of us here that is possible um, if we get a little help. So uh, either we win out or we lose to the Chiefs and win out, and winning the division is still possible. Obviously, winning out is the easiest path. But if we win out and the Lions lose, let's say they lose to the Bears um, at Chicago, they lose to the Vikings at Minnesota, and then they lose to the Cowboys at Dallas, they would be eleven and six. We would be eleven and six, and we would actually win the division with a four and two division record. So, uh, week one of the playoffs would actually be the Lions coming to Lambeau um, for the wildcard weekend. So, yeah, I know, I know, I know it's not likely, but that would be. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine? The rest of the of the teams in the NFC North. If the first year of love, we win out our last what would that be seven six games whatever it is and six seven eight eight games almost uh, if we win out and we win the division and we go to the playoffs on the first year of the new QB with the youngest team in the league could you imagine oh I just want to live in that timeline oh man. I just I hope that happens just for for the sheer joy I would feel if if the Lions somehow lioned this this season that's supposed to be their crowning. Oh man. Uh, you know, but you just got me thinking. Anyway, that's all. Hopefully, yeah uh, hopefully it happens. Have a good one.
3: Yeah, I mean I did go through the uh the rest of the season kinda of looking at the records and whatnot, and I, I ended with I mean the the, the Lions are gonna win the division because it's a stretch. It's it's beyond a stretch to think that the Packers could win. Um, I know it's certainly possible, but it's very, very unlikely. Um, however, I think the two most important things are, well, the, the, the two requirements would be that the Packers continue playing like they have been. In other words, they genu- legitimately are a very good football team. And then the second thing being the Lions continue to slip and slide their way down because I don't see them losing to a team like the Bears at all. That's why the, the I think the more realistic but still almost equally as awesome outcome would be that the, um, the Lions win the division. However, the Packers get into the playoffs and knock the Lions out of the playoffs because that would be retribution in a much more... That's like... Uh, what would the uh, the phrase be? I don't know, but it's it's if you do something to me, I'm going to do it back to you times ten. In 2022, they beat us to keep us out of the playoffs. In 2023, we beat you to kick you out of the playoffs. I'm sorry, but one is more significant than the other, especially when you're the Lions and it's been that long since you've gotten in. What a worse way to to dememorialize that year. You know, like Lions fans really want the year that they got back into the playoffs, to be a year that they can't even brag about it because the time that they do, Packer fans are going to be like, yeah, how'd that end? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we uh, we, we beat you. Even if it's like we we won the division. You did? Wow. How'd that go? You got into the playoffs and then got knocked out by who again? Oh, yeah, that's right. So we're better than you, so suck it. So I, I think it's almost like my my number one goal would be to... um. End the season, as I said, with the feeling that this is going to be a good team down the line. Like it's already a pretty good team, and they're just going to keep getting better. A secondary goal would be to beat an NFC North team in the playoffs, whether that's the Vikings or the Lions, preferably the Lions. Get in, win a game, and knock the Lions out of the playoffs. If we have to lose after that, so be it. But that would just be that would be the second best thing that could possibly happen. And you say, well, getting into the playoffs should be the second thing. I, I think if we feel good about this team, we're in the playoffs. I don't think we can get ourselves eliminated and, and get our seat taken by, you know, the Rams and feel super good about the situation we're in.
11: Hey, Ryan and, and Pacnet podcast listeners, amazing people you are. Hey. Uh, this is uh, I'm serial entrepreneur Eric here. Hey, um, it's okay with you, Ryan. Uh, let's go ahead and change that to gym owner, Eric. Uh, oh, sorry. This is uh, going to be it for me for a while here. It's going to keep me busy here running for my gym. And, uh yes, uh set to take off January 1st. That is not by mistake. Uh, that is uh, very, very intentional. Yeah, uh, the makes lease sense. on our current business is uh, expiring at the end of this year. And then um, there was a chance where we could kind of, like, get things going sooner. But I'm like, oh. Nope, I know how this industry goes, so uh, we're just going to go January 1st. Uh, question for you. Uh, I was watching the, uh, Amazon Prime. It's the Barry documentary, Barry Sanders, sure. and it was really good. I, uh, I'm i in my 40s, early 40s there. I'm a man, and I was <laughs> – I'm a man.
3: That's good. Um I, those documentaries are always things, it doesn't matter who it, it could be Lombardi, it could be, you know, like the quarterback series, um, any of those, any football thing like that, even Hard Knocks, I always feel like I don't want to watch it, and then when I watch it, I'm like, this is really good. I have not seen it yet, but um, I I, I know there's a lot of rumbling and grumblings about it, and I honestly, I don't even know if it's positive or not, (laughs) there just seems to be like an undertone of like, "Uh like, what, what, what happened? It, it feels like one of those split things where some people really hate it, and I don't. I don't exactly know what the undertones are, but um, let me know if it's good because I probably should check it out. But I'm not going to unless a bunch of people are like, "Dude, you got to check it out."
11: Was, got Washington Packers around early '90s. So it was kind of cool, uh, like nostalgia a little bit to go back and sure. like, "Oh yeah, I remember those days." They had quite a bit of the because obviously it's highlights of Barry and. Uh, him juking the craziness out of a lot of the Packers because yeah, they play yeah, the Packers yeah. quite a bit. So it's kind of kind of cool to go go back in time with that. I just wonder if you watched that yet and I'm what not. you thought about that. Uh, they, I, it was kind of interesting because you kind of knew Barry Sanders was, was different and he kind of did things a little different. And that, that sure. show, that documentary kind of really like put it into, uh, what do you call it? Perspective. Like, oh, that's, That was just tip of the iceberg, just kind of how different he went about things. So it's kind of cool to go back like that. So I highly recommend if you haven't watched that yet to go back and see that. And without further ado, we'll love you lots more later.
3: But maybe that's what it is. It's like they kind of put him in a in a negative light or something. So some people are kind of upset about. I'm not sure. I don't. There's just some weird weird vibes going on around that thing. I don't know. But yeah, I, I I know he's a pretty reserved fella and i know there were some issues like with his dad or whatever um but i don't know a ton about him other than just being a super uh fantastic football player but i have not seen it please call in and let me know if you have and if you liked it because i'm probably just not going to watch it unless a bunch of people just start kicking down the door and say you have to all right so Here's the deal. This is the last call. It is from Nate. It's the reason there was no Packernet After Dark last night, because we're doing this now, and we're out of calls. So this actually works out quite perfectly, not for Packernet After Dark, but for making sure that we get all the calls done. Um, So we'll get through Nate's call, and we are done and out of here. Nate, what's up?
6: Hey, Ryan.
12: It's Nate. Um, I'm hoping this call comes through before the game, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure you got uh, a lot of calls to get caught up on. So we'll see. Um, I just called in for my pregame thoughts. First, I'm just really hoping that everybody is tempering expectations. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want to rain on everybody's parade, but everybody that I see keeps saying the same thing: like, well, if we beat the Chiefs, well, if we beat the Chiefs, well, if this happens, if this happens, well, the game hasn't been played yet. And just remember, we have a lot of injuries. Okay, so I'm hoping we have a good, a good game, just like the, the next guy. But I don't want Packers nation to, you know, do what it always does say, oh, man, if we beat this, it's going to, like, end this narrative. It's going to really hype us up and everything, and then we lose, and it just collapses yeah, everybody, right. and it's right back to, like, oh, Jordan Love sucks, his team sucks. Okay, we're, we're facing, like, the, you know, the defending chance here. It's, it's not a, you know, small task. Um, I believe in our guys. I think we have a chance to win. I think we have a bigger chance than, you know, there are some uh, media personalities who uh, may disagree and everything, but, um, so I just want everybody to temper expectations. So, um, second thing is
3: I, I... yeah, and that, that's sort of my biggest fear is I've really enjoyed the positivity recently and I, I really dread the negativity as much as it's fun to be able to go into the draft. And it was fun for those couple weeks to be able to look at quarterbacks. Cause I never get to do that ever and dream about like drafting that elite quarterback and all that stuff. It's, it's fun to, to daydream about stuff that ne- you never get to do maybe in another 15 years. Ah, I'm just kidding. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, I just, I, I don't know how things are going to go, but I, I do know that sometimes we get ourselves too hyped up in one direction. And then when things go wrong, we go too far in the other direction. And, and the bottom line is as much as we can try to temper expectations and recognize that, you know it's possible to lose and, um, and, and not overreact at the same time, if you lose, it's because bad things happen. And a lot of times it's going to be, you know, I mean, for example, if the Kansas City Chiefs are a good football team, like if they have one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in a generation, multiple generations, maybe one of the best ever. And, you know, they got Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice is really coming on strong and they've got a freaking brilliant play caller in Andy Reid. It's entirely possible that on multiple occasions, there are going to be guys that end up getting wide open. And if that happens four or five times in a game, regardless of the opponent, I have a feeling as Packer fans, we're going to see that and immediately have a visceral reaction toward our defense in particular, our defensive coordinator. Likewise, if a currently top five ranked, depending on where you look, defense is able to generate pressure on a quarterback, one of the most aggressive blitzing teams in football, if they happen to generate pressure, suddenly our offensive line is going to be the biggest pile of crap in history. If that pressure gets to Jordan and Jordan doesn't perform as well as a result of the pressure, Jordan Love is suddenly going to be the biggest piece of crap in history. Now, we don't have to react that way, but you know when you see pressure, when you see poor quarterback play, when you see open receivers, the n- general reaction, I won't say the normal reaction, the general reaction is rather than acknowledge, man, that other team is doing a really good job, it's to say, man, our team really sucks. Because the expectation, even for a team that's struggling or, or we don't have super high expectations for, is I expect you to do your job, in, in which case your job is to, you know stop them from getting open, stop them from getting to the quarterback, throw the ball accurately, et cetera, et cetera, right? I mean it's one thing if it's a drop pass, It's another thing if it's an errant throw because there's a guy in somebody's face because they brought eight guys. You know the, the wise man once say, other guys get paid too. And when the other guys get paid a lot of money because they're some of the best in football and they win the Super Bowl almost every year, they're probably going to make plays. And you just got to be ready for that. And that's that's where it's like, you know, again, first of all, first step, be as good as you were last week. Be a team that is good enough to compete with the big dog. Second step, compete with the big dogs and see what happens. But that might mean be one of the top teams, compete, and lose. They're going to make plays. They're going to score points. They're gonna make stops teams of the Kansas City Chiefs caliber are not going to get just run through they're not just going to get dominated It's not going to be thirty five nothing packers and if it is we're doing a twenty four hour marathon <laughs> and uh, that's just how that's gonna go but I get what you mean don't don't get yourself so whipped up that when the chiefs do chief stuff we internalize it and and lash out at the Packers for not being good enough to be able to stop the Chiefs from doing what they've been doing to everybody for like eight years now.
12: Do you want to know, maybe before the game, if you can sneak in, um, how do we do against tight ends? Um, You know, maybe specifically elite tight ends. I feel like the Packers don't cover tight ends well, but I guess, you know, I don't actually know what the numbers are, so I would be curious to, to hear what that is, just because obviously we're facing... Maybe the only true elite tight end in the in the NFL today. No, Travis Kelsey. Maybe you heard of him. Uh, and then lastly, oh, I no. have uh, I have a draft prospect that I'm hoping you can take a look at at some point. And I know it's really early, but this guy is a predicted uh, fourth round pick. Um, he is the pro, a prototypical tackle, athletic, six um, five. I think he's like three twenty six or something like that. So big boy, um, high athleticism. Um, but he played for an Ivy League school because he was under-recruited coming out of high school. Um, and then on top of that, he got an injury this year. And, you know, think about the guys that uh, Brian Gutekas usually drafts. Does that not sound like a goody guy? And he's a offensive tackle. Okay. Um, he's played guard, so he has familiarity with guard and tackle. All right. And he um, is uh, supposedly, according oh, to the draft, looks like an NFL player playing in the Ivy League schools because generally it's not a very strong competition. But if he's playing like that, good sign. Um, it's is Kar- Amigjula I make, I, make Jula, I, make Jula, I don't know how you say his last name, but check him out. Um, he's supposed to go around the fourth round which is right where Goody likes to pick yeah. those developmental tackles. Um, so yeah, go
3: go. I was uh, really hoping it was Cornell highest rank of the Ivy League's but well, let's take a little look, see what PFF has to say about your boy out of Yale. Three years there, um, his overall grades have gone from a 65 to a 73 to an 83. Those are pretty nice jumps. His pass blocking, 62, 66, this year 79. And then run blocking was 66, 88, and 79. Now, he's only played in four games this year, so take all that with a grain of salt, especially the pass blocking. Oh, I'm sorry, I had it backwards. The run blocking was... Did they reverse that for college, or is that a new thing? I could swear pass blocking was on that side. Anyways, his pass blocking went from a 60 to an 80 to a 70. His run blocking was 62, 66, 79, whatever. Bottom line, the run blocking is the one thing I would be skeptical of, because he's got three games of good run blocking, and I, you know, two years of mediocre run blocking. But the pass blocking seems to be on point, which I think you had mentioned um, seems to be a guy the Packers would be interested in, and in that... Definitely seems to fit. So um, I haven't watched him. I'm not going to do it right at this moment. I will try to stash that away in the back of my mind. Um, Where is he? Expect he's currently at 124 right now. So you figure mid round guy could be another solid fourth rounder for the Packers. As far as the tight end question, it's not super easy to answer. The only thing I could really think to do would be to look at the tight ends we faced and then look at their grades and see if anything stands out for Packers. So for uh, Cole Komet, if we just look at overall grade, it was his second lowest graded game. If we look at Kyle Pitts, it was his lowest graded game was against the Green Bay Packers. New Orleans, I guess Taysom Hill is their number one tight end, which is kind of weird and dumb. But uh, it was kind of middle of the road, one, two, three, four, five, sixth highest graded. But he had just one reception for nine yards in that game. Lions, Sam Laporta, one, two, three, four. His fifth lowest and lowest games were against Green Bay. The Week 12 Sam Laporta game, he had five receptions, 47 yards, and a touchdown, but it was his lowest graded game of the season. So, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I can go through all the games, I guess, but it's been like the lowest graded games for a lot of players have been against the Packers. So it seems to me like the uh, the Packers linebackers in particular, but the Packers defense, I guess, in general, has done a pretty good job against linebackers, is what I can tell from what I've seen so far. Without going through every single one of them, it might be a thing for another day, but uh, not today. Um. Anyways, I'm gonna leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. Go pack. Go. Uh, there's not gonna be a packernet it after dark because I mean the game's not even gonna be over by the time that that's usually released. Plus, I'm gonna want to record the podcast and go straight to bed so um we'll have a uh, quick recap uh monday victory monday hopefully um episode and then uh we'll just have monday night we'll be the first packer after dark we'll try to get caught up a little bit but uh yeah have a good rest of your day talk to you later bye-bye